The views expressed on this podcast represent only those of the hosts and do not represent the views of the Student National Medical Association. What's up, SNMA fam? The Regional Alliance for Leadership Development application is now open. The Regional Alliance for Leadership Development is a region-wide leadership initiative designed to provide motivated students in the 10 regions to learn more about SNMA, develop leadership skills, connect with past and current regional officers, and engage in personal and professional growth. Each participant, named a regional intern, will demonstrate a year-long commitment to the program through a longitudinal regional project designed to support the goals and initiatives of each respective region. Application deadline is August 13th. For any questions, contact regionalald at snma.org. You know what time it is. It's the greatest show on earth. It is SNMA Presents the Lounge. student lounge, doctor's lounge, or lounging around at home, you got to get ready to join SNMA for meaningful conversations on topics affecting minorities in medicine and groups that often sit at the margins of healthcare. You know who it is. It's your boy, Dr. Samari, Dr. Alden Samari, a.k.a. White Coat Poppy, a.k.a. Enriching Doc BX, a.k.a. Bronx Nero underscore D-O. You know, one thing I'm looking forward to in the month of August, I'm going to keep it real with y'all, is not being on call. I got my next <laughs> rotation, my infectious disease rotation. I've been working 70, 80 hours a week over the last several weeks. And now I'm going to be coming in at 9 a.m. starting in the middle of mm-hmm. August and leaving hopefully by 4 or 5 p.m. My typical day's been ranging anywhere from getting in at 6 a.m., leaving at like 7, 8. Sometimes I get it, get out early. But I need that break. All my weekends, I'll be, I'll be working. You know what I'm saying? I'll be putting that work. So... I'm looking forward to just having some chill relaxation. And I'm going to Atlanta this weekend for InvestFest. Shout out to EYL, Earn Your Leisure Podcast, trying to get my investing game and knowledge up. But what about the family? What about everybody else? What about Izzy? What about Erica? What's up? What's up? What's up? What y'all looking for? Hey, guys. I'm student Dr. Isabella. So what I'm looking forward to in the month of August, honestly, it's it's a couple things. But, you know, let me just summarize it to one thing. I'm just looking forward to being almost done with this clerkship year, y'all. I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's been a long, you know, year. And I'm currently on OBGYN. I have about a week and a uh, week and a half left. I'm ready to take the exam. And, you know, yeah. shout out to all the OBGYNs out there. You guys really do a lot. Listen, like what you guys do is important and it like it really does affect people's lives. And I'm grateful to have been exposed to the field. But, you know, I'm grateful to also be moving on to the next rotation <laughs> and to be almost done as well. So I'm looking forward to, to just, you know, being one step closer to the year kind of closing off and being done with my rotations. So, yeah. There you go. That sounds good. Shout outs to you for pressing and for getting the rest that you need when you can. Appreciate it. (laughs) So I am student Dr. Erica Dingle. And what am I looking forward to? I would say 
Oh, yes. So I'm trying to do a social media fast with Mm -hmm. the intention of like kind of refocusing for the latter portion of the year. So I'm looking forward to getting refocused, rejuvenated, and I'm looking forward to something finding me that I didn't know was about to find me. You know, when you're like waiting for something and you don't know what you're waiting for exactly. Mm. Right. Yeah. So I'm hopeful something good will come find me. That's beautiful. That's about it. It will. Just claim it. You deserve it. Claim it. I claim it for you, girl. And I claim it for our listeners, too. So let's begin. You guys know what time it is, right? The best part of the show, the meat of the show, it's time to run the list. So for our our preclinical students, running the patient list on the wards allows the team to address pressing matters of the day. In this segment of the show, we'll be discussing some recent events in medicine and beyond affecting our communities and the populations we serve. You guys ready to get into all of our hot topics for today? Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Cool, cool, cool. cool. So we know we have to start off with the queen. Please. The queen. (sighs) The one who stole our ears. Okay. As of this Friday. When her her album came Friday. Yes. Yep. This uh, this past Friday. Queen B, her new album, Renaissance. Okay. People have been, they've been struggling with how to spell (laughs) Renaissance, but I'll, I'll, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm gonna spell it for everyone in case you guys don't know how to spell it. But R E N A I S S A N C E. Don't get it mixed up. Hey. What the don't <laughs> Do not try and play her because she really came correct with this album. Like literally, it had been six years since Lemonade dropped, and I think like the way like Beyonce really just like just threw it all down on this album. Like she just like has a mix of every kind of sound on the album. And it's like amazing how she kind of really honed in on what it means to have like a sequence and a flow to music when you listen to it in like, like in the order that it was meant to be listened to. Cause I feel like a lot of artists these days, they don't really like focus on those little details with like, Oh, like I'm going to make sure that all the music like flows. Like mm-hmm. when you listen to it in order, it sounds like it's supposed to go in that way. And she like really did a great job with that, especially with cuff, like from, I think it was like from cuff it to energy like it was that order that's like there was a really nice transition there then from plastic off the sofa to virgo's group that was a beautiful transit like it was just so many good transitions but if like to those who haven't listened to it um basically it's 16 tracks you have different kinds of sounds 90s house 70s funk disco themes um and it's just it she just talks about like different topics and like she also finds a way to spin some like like songs that you would think oh this title would mean this but then you listen to it, it's like nah that's not what it's supposed to be like church like church girl was like not about church and i'll just say that <laughs> I mean, if you know beyonce though you knew that wasn't about to be right right exactly exactly but you know I, I like in general the fact that she called it renaissance which means rebirth in french this was clearly a rebirth of her sound a rebirth of her entering a new era of, of like how she wants to express herself creatively so it's beautiful i mean what are, what are you guys thoughts on the album like how did you guys feel kind of listening to it for the first time well i haven't stopped listening to it i mean <sighs> um it's so for so many reasons this album hit for me a lot of people are not familiar with the you know like there's so many sounds like there's house music 
Um, you got the disco music. Mm-hmm. There's funk. Um, and it's, I know it's Renaissance means rebirth, but what I found kind of touching was like, imagine an artist like Beyonce, who has, how many years that she's been out as a solo artist since 2002. Yeah. So since Mm -hmm. 2002 until 2022, she has played by the rules for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. And she is now coming into another level of womanhood and you know she's cussing you could just tell like she she really gave a hoot but she really didn't give a hoot yeah and (laughs) I just I think for so many artists when you reach that level it's like imagine how many how many other songs like this she could have had in her that right. she did not give to the world because she was trying to fit in this box right. to make her career. Um, but baby is a mother. She is a wife. She feel like falling in love. <laughs> <laughs> she in the mood to funk some. See, like I can't. Yeah. I, that, when I tell you I am ready for this concert, this tour, I will be at, at least three of them. She gets all of my coins. Everything. Um, I, I know there was a lot of controversy with one of those songs, Energy, mm-hmm. with Khalees. And as far as I know today, they took that interposed part. Um, I hope I'm saying it correctly. They they took it off the album. So if there's any mm-hmm. streaming platforms, you will no longer hear that part of Khalees's milkshake, I believe it was, mm-hmm. in that song anymore, which oh, is wild. Wow. Like... She could have. I feel so many ways about that, but anyway, she was doing a lot. Yeah, Beyonce said, "Okay, you know what? You got what's to say? Then let's just we'll just scratch it." And the song is still hot. So your point is the transitions. Like I danced in my house for the entire hour and two minutes. I did not stop. Um, So she did what we were all expecting her to do. I've seen a lot of rave reviews. I've seen a lot of piss poor reviews. The Mm -hmm. Hive will not come after you. We do not care if you do not like it. Um, This is like a very cohesive, layered piece of work. And Mm -hmm. she did that. Shout outs to her whole team. Because it's a a beautiful album, in my opinion. Aldwin. Aldwin ain't here. See, because I was looking, I was looking at you like Aldwin. Don't try it. (laughs) No one ain't here. It's fine. Nah, I'll be honest, you know, but I'm impressed. You know, I did some research, and the fact that she sold 395,000 units in the first week, I mean, that's like so impeccable to me. She did a pre sale. Yeah. She did. Damn. But anyway, regardless, the fact of the matter is the Beehive is alive and strong, you know, several years after her last album. Um, and then the, also the thing is, I love the album cover too. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I don't know how Jay-Z feels about it, but she doing a lot, but <laughs> she definitely has like, you know, utilized her platform and leverage like people's interests and peaked it in order to get these album sales in my opinion. And she's done a wonderful job of like putting herself in the culture, but then not putting herself in the culture, removing herself. So I can't speak much to the album. You know, I've been busy you know, in the unit saving lives, you know, I don't know, Beyonce, oh. how many lives she's saving, but you know what I mean? Like, Oh, um, let me tell you something. Are we, go, are we going there? She saved my life. 
Oh, but she saved my life. Because <laughs> I almost didn't make it this week until the album came out. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, when music will do something to you, it really right. will. That's facts, that's facts, that's facts. Right. It really will. <laughs> right. You can't break her soul. <laughs> yeah, and that was singing. That was a different break my soul too. She added like a different flavor to it, like which is crazy. Um, but yeah, like I definitely think that her new album, I give it a ten out of ten. You know, despite what some of our our co-hosts, uh, <laughs> cough cough, our male co-host thinks on the podcast, I think it's a ten out of ten. So we're gonna give it to her. Um, but given that we are on the topic of you know new things coming out, music coming out. especially music that's very much important and respected in the black community. What about movies that we know of such as black Panther Wakanda forever coming out? Did you guys see the trailer? Please tell me that you guys saw the trailer. It was fire. I love it. I love it. Nah, yo, that trailer, like honestly how it made me feel was again, re-empowering and reimagining like the melanin in me. Right. Seeing all those women, like you hear, you know, Bob's Marley cover the sample, you know, with Thames on it, you know what I mean? And you see all the beautiful black women representing and showing their strength and adoring what they represent for the culture. But also in some of the scenes, you see them wearing white and white is celebrating life, but also celebrating death. And this new venture that they have in facing the uh, the uh, the Atlanteans, you know, and um, whatever you call them joints in the, in the water. I mean, but I really like like how <laughs> they really emphasize like black women fighting the struggle and taking control of their own personal destinies. And right. the Dora Milaje, mm-hmm. which are the the woman, the warrior woman uh, that we are confronted with in the first movie and also in this second movie, who take a significant role. They're actually also uh, concubines for uh, Chadwick Boseman's character as well. If people don't know, they're warriors, but they're also women that he has children <laughs> okay. with. What? No, but no, it's real though. Like that's what. That's how do what we? Wait, how do we get there? I'm sorry. I, I no, no, I'm just saying, like the fact that they're carrying, they carry his legacy. You feel me? They carry his legacy, man. Even though he's not. There. I just wasn't prepared. Listen, seen... I wasn't prepared for that part. I'm sorry. Like I don't I know. He went background. From... <laughs> nah, we have to. We have to give that background real quick. You know what I mean? <laughs> I appreciate by the way, I don't out. endorse polygamy, by the way. I'm just saying that's what the their view. role is in the Marvel. We already mm-hmm. got Jared's tagline in the beginning. We don't got to repeat it again. <laughs> the views dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know what? We asked some of our SNMA fam um, on Instagram what they thought about the trailer because so many people you know as soon as the trailer dropped i I forget how many views it got like in the first few days Mm -hmm. some millions of views yeah yeah um and people were you know oh i cried and oh it was this part that made me cry and oh i'm gonna be there dressed in white and i don't know how i'm gonna respond but i know you know i'm gonna be there so we asked some of our snma snma members on instagram like what did they think? So we'll read a few. Um, one of my favorites was from Dr. Underscore Muzon Peed 17. Um, she said, so powerful and heartfelt. There are so many layers to this movie. Can't wait. Um, another one, Underscore Halep. She said, I don't know what the movie is about, but I'm going to cry. 
<laughs> I feel you, sis. Right. Sis or bro. I can't tell if that's a sis or bro, but I feel you. That's a sis. That's a sis. Okay, I feel yeah, you, sis. Zoomed in. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Appreciate you. My eyes are acting up. And <laughs> yeah, I, I feel I feel exactly that. I don't know what it's about yet, but I know I'm going to cry. Mm-hmm. Yep. And also Docs and Locks said, so many emotions drawn up at once. Tissues will be needed at the movies. Smile said, crying the whole way through. No, this, is, this one is going to be powerful. So I think that definitely sums up kind of like everybody's thoughts. Like, who knows what's going to come of this movie? But we know that from the first movie, it just brought such a cultural, like, resurgence and like uplift for the black community and just even just like a a appreciation of African culture and black culture. So I think that's going to be a really powerful sequel. And of course, you know, it's going to be powerful, but at the same time, it's going to be very nostalgic and sad considering that literally the hero of the movie Chadwick Boseman has since passed away in 2020 from colon cancer. And we talked about him and his, his death um, and a previous episode and that really, you know, shook, a lot of people across the world. Um, mm-hmm. So it's going to be definitely a, an adjustment to see how they do this movie without him and kind of like how they kind of restructure the storyline and, and everything um, about uh, the movie. So, you know, um, but, you know, I think it's also going to be a great way to uplift his legacy because he was an amazing actor. He's my alum. He went to Howard. He's mm-hmm. acting in so many different movies. Like I literally remember him like coming to Howard when I was an undergrad um, because of like, uh, a, a pre-screening of one another movie he was in called Marshall, like playing mm-hmm. Thurgood Marshall. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, kind of seeing him in person, all that stuff, like it, it sticks with me. And like to since he's passed, it's just you know really sad to know that life is so transient. So That's I really so hope fun. that this, Very. yeah, I really hope that this sequel um, really you know um, honors his legacy. Well, We're so. gonna go see it together, Wakanda forever. Wakanda. <laughs> yeah. I hope he can bring Killmonger too. That will be dope too. But that's a oh yeah. yeah I hope we can go see it together as long as we don't have a next pandemic because the way right. monkeypox is out here. Keep I don't it know. Listen. I don't know. Um, yeah. No, but think about it. Movie theaters. Come on, y'all. Parts, body parts on seats. Yeah. And just. But I'm gonna be looking fleek. Hey. <laughs> you know, and I'm gonna be I'll looking just... chic. Hey. hey. Why are Listen. we rapping? <laughs> <laughs> Is everything okay over there? No, I'm you've good. been you've been having an interesting, interesting, you know, things to contribute. I like this energy. Yeah. You tired? I'm, I'm probably, <laughs> probably tired, yeah. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. But I'm keeping my energy, you know what I'm saying? My brain a little Heard tired. It. You know, I was saving lives today, you feel me? Oh, well, hurt. You know what? it's, it's the doctor what? energy. We love it. We love it. Bo- both <laughs> of y'all. So we got all Dr. Alwyn, who was, you know, doing his thing at the hospital. We got student doctor Isabella who was doing her thing at the hospital today. So let me let me let y'all relax for a second. I'll, <laughs> I'll school our listeners on monkeypox just for a minute. Go ahead, go ahead, sis. I'll let y'all chillax. I'm I'm looping you in, so you gotta stay sharp. Don't leave me. So exactly, what is monkeypox? So monkeypox is a viral zoonosis in that it's a virus transmitted to humans from animals with similar uh, symptoms to those seen in the past, like smallpox patients. So 
let's take it to sketchy, right? It's an hey. enveloped or an enveloped double-stranded DNA virus belonging to the orthopox virus genus of the pox veridae family. So that's our, we got the financial corner. There goes your medical school corner. High yield, high yield, high yield. Sketchy high yield. High yield. I'll show um, up on step. Yeah, and you know what? In In, I don't know about your cities, but the cases are definitely rising here in New York. Mm -hmm. um, There have been total confirmed monkeypox, orthopox virus cases, I believe 5,189. So you have New York, 1,345, California, 799, and in Florida, 373. So Definitely seeing an increase in incidence of monkeypox. How is it transmitted now? We've been hearing a lot of different things on transmission. So mm-hmm. let's try to kind of give you guys some education. So everybody knows monkeypox can be spread to anyone through close, personal, often skin-to-skin contact. So this includes, but is not limited to, direct contact with monkeypox rash scabs, or body f- bodily fluids from a person with monkeypox. Also touching objects, fabrics, so we know these as inanimate objects, right? Mm-hmm. Clothing, bedding, towels, surfaces that have been used by someone with monkeypox, contact with respiratory secretions, and the incubation period, which is known as the interval from which infection oh. starts to the onset of symptoms of the monkeypox virus is usually from six to 13 days, but it can range from five to 21 days. So it can be longer. Mm-hmm. And then symptoms you would see fever, headache, muscle aches, backache. A lot of people say they've just been achy and just feeling like crap, mm-hmm. swollen lymph nodes, chills, exhaustion, may see respiratory symptoms. Mm-hmm. But most pivotal is the rash mm-hmm. that you'll see, the pox, which are located on or near the genitals or anus, but could also be on other areas such as the hands, feet, chest, face, or mouth. Check yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself because this monkey pox is bad for your health. Oh! I can't drop this mic. Y'all won't hear me. Um, That's a fact. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, in order to prevent this uh, rash that, first of all, will go through several stages, which can include scabs before healing, and then they can look like pimples or blisters that may be painful or itchy. Y'all wash your hands with soap and water, not just water. Soap, not just water, air. a you vigorous rub, okay, yeah. or use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. <laughs> Avoid close contact skin to skin with people who have a rash that looks like monkeypox or just that looks like a rash. We can't be safe because it's presenting so Mm -hmm. differently now in so many people. Got a stiff arm. That's right. Um, Yeah. (laughs) There's a vaccine. Uh, There are a few vaccines. I don't want to mispronounce them. (laughs) So there are a few vaccines, Um, but I will mention the name. Imvenex and then Imvimune. I guess I can attempt this one. Gyneos and then ACAM 2000. And then we have treatment as well. I feel like I'm doing this all by myself. Do, y- do I want to tag y'all in or y'all want me to finish? Yeah. Do your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm done. Are you done? You finished or you done? I'm neither. So, treatment <laughs> is an antiviral <laughs> drug called 
Tecoviramat, <laughs> also known as T-Pox 2Xs, which may be recommended for people who are more than likely to get severely ill, like your patients with weakened immune systems. And there's been so much misinformation about communities that are affected. And this is where I would really like to have a discussion. Yeah. Mm. People think now, that. No, good. People think that. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, people think because the name says monkeypox that it's transmitted by monkeys. Sir, ma'am, it's not transmitted by monkeys. We clearly went through this, right? And I think also there's something to say about miseducation and misinformation in our communities. We look at a word, and then we also see that there are stigmas attached with it. The word monkeypox, right? Oftentimes, people associate monkeys, unfortunately, with black people, and people are associating with the LGBTQ community as well, which mm-hmm. it has happened in the LGBTQ community, IA+. But it also has happened in communities outside of that community. Uh-huh. And we have to recognize and realize that it, it does not discriminate. It is a virus. It affects human beings, not mm-hmm. people right. of specific demographics or people that live in certain areas, right? And we know that New York City actually makes up one out of four cases. So anybody that's planning to go to New York City, make sure you detour, you know what I'm saying? Go somewhere else <laughs> in the next couple couple months, couple weeks, if you feel so me. That's crazy like, because I was really supposed to be in New York like on, like on Saturday and the plans yeah. just fell through. Yeah. You know what? These days when my plans <laughs> fall through, I don't question it. I just thank God above. <laughs> <laughs> well, what should I do? Because I live here. Should I think? Oh, hello, no, Lord. Right. It's me. It's me, no, that's, Lord. that's different. I was going to probably be on the train and stuff. Like, I probably was going to really be on the move. Like, I don't know where I was going to really kind of... I feel like it's, it's different maybe if you live in New York. Like, you, you probably know yeah. the area better than I would. Like, I don't know. Like, you know? I don't know how I would have I would have handled that. But I feel like yeah. the worst case scenario, you're, you know, most people aren't gonna die from this. Like this is not like a deadly, super deadly virus. You know what I mean? Right. So it's more so just the aesthetics of it, right? What you mentioned, some of the symptoms, which include like the headaches, muscle aches, but also like the actual rash that's located in genitals. It also could be on your, you know, oral area as well. So that could be a little embarrassing, but the fact of the matter is like this is, again, just like coronavirus, this is something that, uh, this is a stage of humanity, survival, evolution, right? Viruses evolve, we evolve, and we're just going through another stage. And it's annoying, guys, but, you know, take the precautions at the end of the day and be careful, just like Sis Erica said. Please, please. It's just crazy yeah. to feel like we're facing yet another public health crisis, like mm. on the heels of... COVID, which is still putting people in hospitals. And I know you mentioned all in that people are, this is likely not going to be fatal. I did hear that children mm-hmm. are you um, more, I can't, I don't think more susceptible to, to death in that doesn't sound right to me, but if somebody's going to die, it would likely be a child yep. from mm-hmm. this virus. Um, right. But like we're living in what feels like a new normal where people are still wearing masks People are so <laughs> I'll, admit, I'll be taking my mask off when in certain areas in the hospital. Get mad if you yeah. want. I'm tired of them. No, we're, I mean, yeah, I get it. Everybody sneaks, you know, a little breath of fresh air here and there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what what does it mean to our society, you know, to face yet another public health crisis? 
I just really hope, honestly, that this is not like. I mean, let me not even say it because that's what we said about COVID, and then lo and behold, like two years later, years. But it's like, man, this goes on your skin, guys. Like, I can't deal with just walking around looking crazy. (laughs) Like, I can't. I can't wear my sickness on my body. Do you understand what? Like, my skincare routine is too expensive for this. Please. (laughs) I felt that on a cellular level. Make sure you check that episode out where we talk about skincare, by the way. <laughs> Isabella puts it down in the whole oh routine. Shout out like, to you. I just really, like, you know, it's just really sad because it's definitely, this virus is definitely affecting certain communities more than others. But I think we do yeah. this thing where we think, oh, because it hasn't touched this community yet. Like, we're in the clear. And right. then we find ourselves, like, not protected, not prepared. Like, mm-hmm. there's the vaccine rollout. I don't even really know how like rampant it's become or whether they've really been like super public about it. Like I just like really moving slow with this. And that's what we did with COVID. And then like Mm -hmm. turned into years and years of this stuff. So I'm really hoping that we're a little bit more like on top of how we're going to come on with this virus. Because I, like I said, this, this whole skin thing is just, that's, what's really tripping me up. Like I, I cannot. So we really need to figure it out because it's, um, it doesn't seem like people or the government is really getting serious about trying to figure out how to tackle and prevent it from spreading even more. Don't look to Fauci. He said, <laughs> I'm retiring, bro. He tired of this drink. I am out. Good night. God he bless. He got his million dollar check from some spot in Europe and he was like, I'm dipping. Out. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, he just stay it. protected, y'all. Like, that's just stay right. vigilant at the end of the day. Um, yeah. That's all we can do. And be it's abstinent. Behave. Before. Yes. We have to be vigilant because next thing you know, you find yourself in situations that keep on recurring, such as police brutality, mm-hmm. people invading your homes just for being black. It's crazy. Like when you're not vigilant, Blacks. when you're not on your P's and Q's, you find yourself in situations that you never thought you would have been on. Yeah. So and that leads me to Brandon Calloway, a 25 year old black man who was literally beaten up in his home by the police after a stop sign violation in Tennessee. See, you know, the thing is, like, I'm not going to come for anybody from Tennessee, but listen, come on. Like, come on, Tennessee. Like, like you guys, the South is not really riding that much when it comes to racism already. So why are you guys just adding to what we already, like, know about the South and the whole legacy of just racism? And racism, of course, is everywhere in the country, but even specifically in the South, like, it's very much known for Mm -hmm. having a horrible overt racist kind of culture. So the fact that this is happening there, it's just a shame because now I don't even have like, you guys don't really have much to write on. So, okay. So now I'm not feel bad about talking about the situation. <laughs> so basically um, he, Brandon was like driving. He didn't stop at a stop sign. He apparently he refused to pull over. He went inside of his home. So I didn't realize that like, just because you are a badge, like you, people don't like ask for permission to come into your home now. Like you can just, just walk in and just bust into somebody's door because they didn't stop it. Like, I just thought that there was still like common decency, even when like something with the law, like unless you killed somebody, but literally because you didn't stop at a stop. So like, I thought there was still like, let me knock on the door. Let me like ask permission, but you just right, be polite. If you're going to beat my, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah like literally just bang down this man's home. So I'm just wondering, like, once again, if this man was not black, what would that have looked like? Do you think that would have been okay for, to no. just bang down somebody's home? So it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. Let's you know, a spade a spade. literally. So they pursued him. They even tased him. They hit him multiple times. Crazy. Like he, 
ended up like being hospitalized with all these injuries. Yeah, I seen like, the photos, like his yeah. whole face was bloody, son. Like he looked like yeah. Kane. You know, what I'm saying the wrestler Kane with the red on. Right. It yeah. was horrible. Um, so you know, he's of course he's reporting that he still has like flashbacks and nightmares um from this incident. Cause I mean, who wouldn't be traumatized by this type of situation? Um, so basically, you know, we're this this has led now to a conversation of okay, so what happens when we have all these white men who literally go out and murder children in, in schools? Like mm. they don't even like a quarter of what this man received just because he didn't stop at a stop sign, you know, Can't like make it up. Once again, like I said, we keep repeating the same nonsense, the same like stories of people literally just having their human rights violated for being black. And I'm like very much tired of us having the same conversation. So, you know, shout out to Brandon Calloway and we're, you know, we're praying for you from the podcast and we're hoping that, you know, you recover from this traumatic experience because this is unacceptable. I mean, this is really ridiculous. What are you guys' thoughts on the situation? It's my taxpayer money that's paying for you to have that job. So as a public servant, you have to be a individual that is catering to us in a way that is positive, that is encouraging. Even if a man is committing a serious crime, you have no right as another human being to beat him down. If he is relinquishing himself and giving himself up freely, right, without right. violence, right? And this, is, and this is also important for us to also educate ourselves about what law enforcement can and cannot do, right? For instance... If a police officer comes to you and asks for your name, for your license, if you have not committed a crime, you have no right to give them any information. If you have not committed a crime, you can remain silent, right? And so in regards to this situation, unfortunately, as a black man, we always have to look, you know, where we at. Like, we have to look at what's happening in our environment as it pertains to police. We're always traumatized. We always mm -hmm. see these instances happening in our media and i've never again i always reiterate this on this podcast like i've never ever felt comfortable around the police like i had a patient today that's having withdrawal seizures that's currently being detained in the hospital and there's a police officer sitting right next to the bedpost today and it's a woman black woman which i celebrate her but i'm still not comfortable being in that room with her you know what i'm saying mm. so when i'm examining the patient i'm listening to his tachycardia his murmurs i'm getting tachycardia murmurs like, not even joking, like, watching her be there because I'm like, I don't know, she might slip up, might feel a type of way, I might do something, I might say something wrong, and that's just because I've been traumatized by everything mm -hmm. I've seen, everything I've witnessed, everything I've heard. And so, right. unfortunately for Mr. Calloway, you know, um, you know, we, this is not the first, and I, I hate to say it, but this is not the last instance of this happening, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And... Like, Erica, I know you said you're tired, but we got to continue to push the envelope and talk about this and have these discussions. You know, it's it's important. I always mention that because if we don't fight for this, then who will? If we don't come and support, we spend so much time <laughs> listening to Beyonce's album, but we got to put our black brother on our pedestal. We got to put him on our back, man. We got to be there for him and we got to sit in a court of law and fight this and educate and teach these white police officers that if you put hands on us, Qualified immunity is not going to save you, bro. You going to be going to jail. You going to be going to prison. And there's equal jurisdiction to enact negative consequences on you. You know what I mean? We do certain things, like you mentioned, when we talk about a man could pull up and shoot a whole, a whole school of kids and come out with no injuries. It happened in Atlanta. We saw the guy that pulled up to all these Asian, you know what I'm saying, like nail salons 
and mm-hmm. all of that, right? The dude that shot up, the, you know, the, the people in Buffalo, the, the black community in Buffalo comes out unharmed. But then they allow a black man that even if he's committing a crime, get his beat, right? Bloody and all that. And the police, like these white men could do whatever without no, con- they walk away like it's nothing. This mm-hmm. is something. And if it means something to us, then it got to mean something to the people up top, right? So it's, it's a lot to say. And I wish this could, this could stop, but there, there's a never ending cycle. It's a vicious cycle that continues to traumatize black men in all communities, in all ages. And that's why we got to continue to bond together and fight against these tragedies, right? So that's how I feel about that. Yeah. yeah and I, th- I think you made a wonderful point too about, you know, making sure that we um, stand up and advocate for these injustices making sure that we speak up and that's something i think that you know america is trying to do more and more as we keep finding ourselves in these horrible situations of government not caring Mm -hmm. roe v wade not caring literally women are going to die they're going to die because abortion is now illegal in some places there are some people who are taking initiatives standing up against what they believe to be right one place being the University of Michigan Med School, where mm-hmm. they had a speaker, um, Dr. Kristen Collier, who is a known Gangster. anti-abortion um, doctor. And, you know, the, the med students were like, nah, like, <laughs> we don't want someone who's anti-abortion speaking at our, like, at our, our white coat ceremony. And, like, basically, while she was speaking, the med students literally just got up and walked away (laughs) (laughs) they didn't didn't even give her the time of day like and i remember seeing that video on twitter and being like you know like this is what it's gonna come to like y'all go sit here and spend time and resources on people who aren't even gonna have an audience because you didn't you didn't have you didn't formulate the thought to make sure that you were like checking through who you're gonna have speaking at you know a Mm. ceremony Mm. given the climate of america right now do you think it makes sense to put an anti-abortion person on the podium like what were you thinking and we're in this is medicine literally abortion is healthcare. what like i you know what shame on you know what is it university of michigan whatever school yeah university of michigan like shame on y'all because that's ridiculous so basically you know like 70 people walked out Mm -hmm. they ended up like they even tried beforehand to like sign a petition it was over 300 med students signed it to replace her University of Michigan didn't listen. So they just, you know, embarrassed her and the university and walked out. And it's like I said, and, you know, th- you know, shout out to people who are f- like not afraid to advocate for what is right and to make a statement, even Correct. when, you know, you, you're probably afraid of receiving back. I mean, they could have been afraid to receive backlash. Like, oh, I don't know whether or not uh, the school's going to like come back at me or That's something. And they're just 100%. now starting school. Like it's an, it's kind of nerve wracking to want to do something like that. But I think that at the end of the day, when you understand what's at stake here, which is literally women's lives, mm-hmm. you have to, you have to call a spade a spade. So honestly, shout out to those people who stood up and walked out. Cause I would have done the same thing. University of Michigan. Yeah. You're done mm, up like for real, <laughs> like nah, for right. real, like, and shout out, like you said to those, it is your white coat ceremony. So, when you think about it, I look back to my white coat ceremony in 2017. It's probably the thing that you work forward, like look forward to the most in your life to be able to right. wait to wear your white coat. Your friends, family, everybody's there. And for those 70 people to be like, yo, 
this is a priority. This means much more to me than my white coat. This is resembling right. of something bigger than myself and me as an individual. And, and to take that courage, we got to really like celebrate them. And also right. University of Michigan, you know, that is a very, uh, you know, a very renowned school. And for them to even have the gall to bring this individual up during this climate, it says a lot about them. I don't know if they right. did their background, their research. Maybe they're trying to put out a political ideation about how they feel about abortion. I don't know. Anybody applying to UM, I don't know. Yeah, I got to second guess what's going on. But I do want to, like, implore you guys. People, and Erica, you mentioned, um, Isabella, you put this, like, right on the mark. Like, I feel like early on, we are so afraid of living in our own morality and living in our own integrity and in medicine because we're afraid of the backlash, the consequences. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they're going to kick me out. Or this residency program's not going to like that. Nah, I'd rather stand up as a as a courageous man than be on my knees like a coward. So I'm going to oh, take whatever happens as a man, stand up or a woman, stand up, whatever the case, whatever you, uh, you know, align yourself with. Because when you stand on your integrity, you have no regrets. But then when you sit in there like the sheep and allowing a wolf to eat you up and allow your truth to be silenced, then that is when you lose. That is when our society, that is when our culture does not progress. And we should be people of progression. And those 70 medical students, they are about that energy. So I really want to clap it up for them, you know, me at the end of the day. Erica, how do you feel about that? I was going to say, I wonder if these 70 students listened to our last episode where we talked about how to advocate for yourself. Shameless plug for the podcast. Check out the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> the first episode of season, what is this, three? Yeah. Um, no, but you know where we talked about taking a stand and yeah. the fine line of taking a stand. Um, I don't know how many students attended the, what, 300. Okay, so over 370. What percent is that? that actually saw fit to take a stand and say, you know what, this is what I believe in. Yeah. So really kudos to them. Um, The future of medicine, you know, this is the future of medicine, essentially. Mm -hmm. It, Mm -hmm. it makes you wonder, you know, is it in safe hands? Is it in good hands? And, you know, instances or actions like this make me feel a little bit better about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like you said, is abortion is healthcare for what it's worth. Like, mm-hmm. however you feel about it, it is a as it is an aspect, excuse me, of healthcare, yeah. um, and it's essential. In did we read what the petition said? So the position said, uh, while we support the rights of freedom of speech and religion, an anti-choice speaker as a representative of the University of Michigan undermines the university's position on abortion and supports the non-universal theology-rooted platform to restrict abortion access and a central part of medical care. Yeah, like, we're definitely on par. It's an essential part. Um, And, you know, I'm I'm getting a little bit... um, flustered with Mm. abortion affects everybody right but it mainly affects women and I just I'm getting a little bit Mm. spent with people's opinions of what women should do Mm. how women should act in society um I'm tired of our bodies being policed I'm tired of our actions being policed because for what it's worth Everybody has a background. You don't know what my background is. I don't know what well, y'all know what mine is, but you know what I'm saying? Everybody mm-hmm. has a story. Right. And, you know, 
as a person who grew up in the church and who has very different views in this stage of adulthood on a lot that pertains to Christianity, it grieves my heart to um, hear things like what we're about to discuss. And, you know, Bishop T.D. Jakes, he's the goat in my opinion, but there was a clip that recently surfaced um, from a sermon and the sermon title was called Real Men Pour In, which he gave in honor of Father's Day. So, and I think this is great. Bishop Jake celebrated the men and fathers that pour into their children and families financially and spiritually. I think that is amazing. Mm-hmm. I really do. I support black men all day. Mm-hmm. But to his women, to the women in his audience, he said, we are designed to pour into you. He says that it hurts a man's confidence when his woman has to pour into him instead of vice versa. He also criticized our contemporary society for not, quote unquote, uh, or for, quote unquote, not applauding women for their femininity, but instead for being mean, tough, rough, aggressive, possessive, mentioning that, quote, we are raising our women to be men in contrast. Do, wait, I'm sorry, sis. Aldo, why are you chuckling over there? <laughs> Because he's doing a lot. That's why I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Just okay. reading and hearing it. I have my yeah. eye on you because you know. <laughs> Sorry, no, continue. No, in, in contrast to the natural order of things as he sees it, in which men are supposed to lead. And you know what? So much of what I'm I've read and what I've said. I do feel like men are supposed to lead. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that men are celebrated as fathers that pour into their children. Mm-hmm. and right. their families financially and spiritually mm-hmm. but my goodness like can we just over like just let's think about the last I don't know 40 to 50 years of homes with single mothers that have literally had to do it on their own yeah like it's almost like a slap in the face you expect me I'm not a mother but I'm gonna put myself in the space of a mother Mm-hmm. with a son mm-hmm. who has no father mm-hmm. and for you know unfortunate reasons has no men around to raise him to be this tough man that mm-hmm. he's supposed to be mm-hmm. and you know to be I feel like men are supposed to possess the land right I yeah. think that might even be biblical so in in my instance as a single mother what am I supposed to do to teach my son to be a man when there's no male presence. And it's a slap in the face for so many women who did not ask for this life. Yeah. Like so many women did not ask to be bred, to be mean or tough. Right. Or aggressive or possessive. And I think there's a, there is a necessary undoing that needs to take place, Mm. but like, man, in a church of all places, like with that type of delivery, you know, I always say yeah. you win more flies with honey or more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. Right. I think it's all about delivery. And mm. I'm not the only one mm. that had an issue with this. I think there's a lot of women and men that were like, wait, what? No, so. like seriously. And it's, you know, honestly speaking, when it comes like. It's what well, TD Jakes is like, damn, like I always have to like be careful because <laughs> like my mom is a huge fan of him. And it's like, why do you have to do that? This like 
Reverend Jakes? Why couldn't you just stick to the sermons that had us feeling good? Like, why did you have to take it there? And it's crazy because he's like such a pivotal person for so many like black Christian families, like his preaching and all of that. Mm -hmm. But then there's this thing where like now you're doing too much. Like first and foremost, like what you said, Erica, you know, with the um, whole concept of the single mom and like having to assume this role, which a lot of times they don't ask for it. They just like, they just have to assume the role. Mm -hmm. What are you supposed to do? Like, you're a parent like Mm -hmm. sometimes and that and that just goes with like if we have to talk about say masculine versus feminine energy you have to like assume that in so many different instances like say for instance in medicine a lot of times women have to assume a more masculine energy Mm because if not they're going to be taken like as oh she doesn't know what she's doing or oh she's Mm -hmm. not competent and you sometimes are you're going head to head with white male doctors who are looking at you to see what can you do and what do you know So you having this little feminine energy is not serving you in that space. So you have to almost come off masculine. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this whole concept of, you know, women having to be men. I think that in the end of the day, you have to, you have to adapt based on the the necessity of the role. So if you're a parent and you have to put your foot down, are we calling that masculine or feminine energy? You know, I think it's also about how are we describing this whole concept of women, men type thing so i think it's also just a misspeak like a miscommunication of him trying to like articulate what it means when a woman has to yeah. assume a, a space that may not necessarily be quote-unquote feminine and in terms of however you just choose to define feminine right right you know for me like erica you mentioned like you know i grew up and many people i know grew up in single parent homes particularly with their mothers including myself and i and i look at that and i'm saying like it's not we are raising our women to be men. It's the environment that's causing women to become more independent and becoming more in a yes. position where they have to empower themselves to say, hey, I got to take control of the situation. I got to make sure my baby's fed. I got to make sure the light bills. And then you mentioned a huge point, which I agree with, is that the men should possess the land. The men should take control in, in certain aspects of the community and be leaders. And women can be leaders too as well and from a family dynamic and be leaders in the community too. But our men are missing. Our men are incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Our men are being killed. You know, when we look at a demographic, you know, 50% of homicides in America are black men. And so mm-hmm. we are amiss. We are not understanding that the environment creates these kind of circumstances. And it's a more complex issue than women are aggressive or women are trying to be into in, too in, uh, independent or women are not being, you know, as feminine per se. And also it is dependent on the persons that are involved too, femininity and masculinity. I think that personally they are interchangeable. And I think TD Jakes has gone a bit beyond far in regards to talking about how a man's confidence, a man has to pour into a woman when oftentimes even for myself, I have troubles pouring, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, not a man pouring to a, 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 a woman, where he says that it hurts a man's confidence when his woman has to pour into him, but it's like a man has trouble pouring to his woman. Like, I've had situations where I had difficulty expressing my emotions. I had difficulty being transparent and pouring into a woman. And that hurt my relationship because I was scared. Like, I was scared because we they teach us as men to be masculine, which means masculine for me, not, but in our society, oh, be bold. Don't share your emotions. Keep it mm-hmm. in. Be gangster. Right. Keep it cool. When mm-hmm. when Shorty's mad at you, when, you know what I'm saying? Like when she do something wrong to you, you just take that on the chin and you just look mm-hmm. the other way. You be all right. 
Mm-hmm. Nah, you got to learn to communicate, homie. You got to learn to be real just as much as she wants to be real with you. That mm-hmm. dynamic is so important. And bec- and I feel like from a man perspective, like we're not taught that early on. Like when you growing up and you fall off the scooter and you hurt your knee and you get an abrasion, you know what I'm saying? Erythema, right? Non-ulcerating. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like they tell you suck it up, be a man. But as a girl or as a woman, tell you, babe, I got you. Everything's going to be all right. And we continue to have that notion as we enter into relationships. Like, right, I got to be a man. I hide it. I got to suck it up. I got to conceal how I feel rather than controlling the dynamic of what I can control, which is what I say, what I appear to be, what I can perceive to be to my own partner. And we have control in that aspect. But I feel like T.D. Jakes is removing man's culpability and responsibility to be involved and integrated into that, but also lacking the awareness of what the environment does. Remember in the eighties, crack, crack babies in the eighties, all that stuff, you know, a lot of drugs brought a lot of black men into the prison system. And then even mm-hmm. today, you know, our educational system is very poor. A lot of people that grew up in these underserved neighborhoods, like mm-hmm. they trying to, it's pain and poverty. We mm-hmm. trying to make it out these streets. We trying to avoid jail. We trying to get this bread. Right. We trying to make sure that we good. And when we good, when a man is good, then he could take care of his family. But if he's not good, like, for instance, the man that was at the hospital today, he, he told me that he trying to get out of the hospital. You know, the guy with the uh, alcohol withdrawal because his 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 wife, his his girl got uh, uh, recently had a baby. And I'm like, but, bro, you just you go on Xanax, you taking these bundles of, you know, fentanyl and all of this stuff. How you think you're going to take care of her when you can't take care of yourself, right? Your mm. fundamentals and your foundations is a miss. And a lot of black men, they missing that. And it's not, again, in due part to them, but it's in due part to society and the system, not telling them that you need to be loved and you need to be cherished. And you are just as important as anybody else. And you can do incredible things. And with those incredible things, you can usher in the black woman that will be a queen and build your empire together. We don't have that. A word it. from Dr. Aldwin. We love it. We love it. He'll be here all night, guys. He he also got the he has the financial corner coming up too. <laughs> My bad. I was just passing. <laughs> I'm sorry. But you know, um, no, definitely. I think that this we you know it was a it's a point that we need to think of moving forward because once again, it it, it shames women and kind of like right. what we've been forced to do and. On a lighter note, I think we're also seeing women being celebrated, especially black women being celebrated after being dismissed and ignored for so long, especially after doing like some of the most amazing things. One person being Cheryl Ralph, who is a now newly Emmy nominated supporting actress in a comedy series, Abbott Elementary. I knew her as the stepmother of Moesha on Moesha <laughs> and she was also in um it's a living sister act two and she just has a, a, a career that spans longer than 50 yeah. years and she was an she's... original dream girl Cheryl yes. Lee oh, wow. Ralph, yes. Ralph was an original dream girl she so was, this has yeah. been a long time coming Go back. Yeah, right yeah. she's been right. busy she's been active she's Right. Yeah. She's been like, she's amazing. So it's just, I'm, I'm happy to see. And on top of that, she's a dark skinned black woman. Sorry. I'm throwing that at throwing that out there. Now we will, we will find out later on (laughs) why I'm making that point, but she's a dark skinned black woman who's also receiving the celebration, which I think is super important because that's like another subsection of black women who tend to go the most like to be the most ignored mm-hmm. when it comes to um, receiving their accolades. So congrats to Cheryl Lee Ralph, you know, 
we support you and we are grateful that you are finally being seen for the work that you've done for so many years. On the other end, uh, with another actress who is also a dark skinned black woman. Can't make it up. Not so much, unfortunately, even though she has been on y'all TV screens literally <laughs> since like 2005. So I don't know yeah. what's going on. Like, I don't know like what memory loss has happened in this country, <laughs> but transient amnesia. Yes. It's, it is in due part to, you know, your frontal lobe, but it's no, bad. Okay, doc. All right. All right. But you know, our good sis Kiki Palmer just got disrespected. They had a whole Twitter thread out here talking about, Oh, her role in Jordan Peele's third uh, horror movie. Nope. Was her quote unquote breakout role. Not a but sis has been acting since she was 10. So what's missing? What happened? Where did we miss the line of breakout role? Like literally her breakout role was her first on-screen gig. So it's just, it's it's very concerning that mm. like all of a sudden, because you guys see her like in a Jordan Peele f- like film, you are now recognizing her, even though she's literally been on like kids shows and like we grew up with her. So I just, I'm kind of like, it, it was very disheartening for me to see somebody who's literally been in the industry for so long being treated like she's a newbie. And I just think that's like really disrespectful. Um, but mm. on. I, so I have something to say, because I have some, I have some thoughts on perhaps why. Oh, no, and not, I'm not saying that it's that I agree, but mm-hmm. I feel like there is a very skewed view of, things that it's almost like it's distorted amongst specific generations mm. so who started this viral conversation was it the millennials or the exennials because they <laughs> do a little bit of craziness when it comes to comparison because they just mm. don't know any better whoever the like the youngest generation is who i'm talking about right now mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. ones that actually have so gen z thank you yeah. gen z and, mm-hmm. you know, I, we would really need to do an analysis because I don't see this type of convo being sparked by a Gen Xer, a, mm. may, maybe, maybe mm. a millennial, but definitely right. like the Gen Z who may not have the knowledge of a, was it Akila and the B? Was yeah, Akilah uh, yeah, and yes. the B was her, right. yeah, her breakout and role. I think also... Um, when it comes to certain actresses, for example, and I'm not a big Kiki Palmer fan. I'm not saying mm. that I don't know any of her work, but mm. I just, I don't, I could not list movies that she's been in. Maybe TV shows, but right. mm-hmm. I think certain actresses over time, especially if they start out as childhood actresses, mm. when they have their quote unquote breakout, you know, or breakout role young, mm-hmm. it's forgotten. So, mm. That could be a part of it. Am I saying that is right? Absolutely not. I think people mm-hmm. are crazy and they should have done their research before making this hoopla about yeah. mm-hmm. And especially with regards to pitting her against Zendaya, which we'll discuss. But <laughs> when it comes to a breakout role, to your point is, I don't mm-hmm. think this, from what I've heard, the movie is not breakout role uh, worthy. Yeah. Worthy. Yeah. Like right. somebody to get a breakout role, no shade. I think, peak, is it Peel? Ken and Peele? Yeah, yeah, Jordan Jordan Mm Peele. Yeah, that was Mm -hmm. a show, though. Ken and Peele, got you. Jordan Mm -hmm. Peele, I love his work, but I just don't think it would afford an opportunity at this stage Mm -hmm. in that type of a movie for a breakout role. Oh, for sure. Like, Um, it's not Get Out. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. So, I think that might be where it's coming from. But 
bigger than that. I just think Hollywood in general makes people act weird. And yeah. Yep. That's yeah, my, no. my thoughts. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that's a, actually a great point that you brought up, like differences in generations who are sparking the conversation and like leading, yeah. of course, into uh, uh, the bigger conversation that was had about colorism between, you know, people saying, oh, like kind of trying to compare Zendaya with Kiki Palmer. Because, yeah. um, you know, like once I do agree, like the, with the whole generational thing, I do think that like, let's say if we were to say raven simone right no mm-hmm. one cannot say that they don't know raven simone like right. but she like she's been acting since the cosby show which is even older right. than that so i do think that also ties into this larger conversation of colorism because raven's light skin she was on cheetah girl she was even on to what i believe to even be smaller scale mm-hmm. shows possibly than kiki because i don't i don't know if i can recall if raven was on like a large theater type of, like i think kiki's I actually think so. been on more like like theater type yeah. um movies like she was on uh, mm-hmm. yeah like joyful she noise she did the tlc yeah. movie yeah. raven was even more like conditioned to just disney and that was really mm-hmm. where most of her stuff was and she's right. still i think more known than like say kiki so i i think that would like be a better example of like cut the differences when someone's light skin versus dark skin but i still do think that the generational thing definitely like plays a huge role mm-hmm. um but yeah, like to go back to the point, you know, people were trying to compare Zendaya to Kiki and, you know, Kiki, she wasn't taking it. She tweeted, she said, uh, mm-hmm. quote, a great example of colorism is to believe I can be compared to anyone. I'm the youngest talk show host ever. The first black woman to star in her own show on Nickelodeon, and the youngest and first black Cinderella on Broadway. And we didn't, but she also said, baby, this is Kiki Palmer. She said that and she put all caps for this because mm-hmm. she knows that she can't be you can't come for her. So, you know, I love the boldnesses. I love the fact that you are telling Same. people who you are. Right. Do not let anybody shortchange you or try to like tell you what your accolades are because no, you've been putting in the work and like, we know, right. I know who you are. And despite what these smaller kids are saying, you're relevant. And we've Super like, we didn't know you're relevant. Exactly. So, yeah. and once again, I also want to like clarify that it wasn't Zendaya who made this type of pitting, nope. right? Like Zendaya said back in 2017, how quote, I feel a responsibility to be a voice for the beautiful shades. My people come in. Unfortunately, I have a bit of privilege compared to my darker sisters and brothers. So she yeah. made it a point, you know, that like yeah. she has privilege in this space. She's a biracial black woman in Hollywood. She has a lot of privilege and she's recognized that. So Mm -hmm. this is not her trying to make, this is like, you know, the people behind Twitter, Twitter and Instagram making all these like weird polls and like comparisons that don't exist. So I I think we just need to make that a point too, that like, this is a situation, this is an issue that's more a larger scale of like America when it comes to colorism. And we need to really check ourselves. Like, why do we feel the need to do dark skin versus light skin? Like, it doesn't have to be like that. Like, why can't we just celebrate black people in media and just, and leave it at that. So I think that's like a really important point to make. But you know, isn't it crazy? Like, you know, like Zendaya's net worth is like 20 mil and Kiki's is like nine mil. And I can't speak for the investment and all that, but Kiki been in the game for so long and she's been so active and involved with talk shows and had so many opportunities to showcase herself, you know, and it, it really is a, you know, representation of disparities. And I think it truly is discrimination, you know, toward Kiki. I mean, she's so talented. This girl could sing, she could Mm -hmm. act, like she and Zendaya can do so, you know, as well. And it's arguable, like who's better at what and whatnot. But 
Kiki's been like under the limelight for so long, and I'm I I sat in and thought like like why like this is a beautiful black woman. She should be celebrated. She talks about positive things. You never hear bad things about her. Like mm-hmm. she's always trying to like get her back. She's always active. She's always mm-hmm. being a comedian. Always representing black women in such a good space. And there has to be something to say about that. And. For America, when we look at our culture, our culture oftentimes, like, I, even when I was like, you see, like, I remember Shorty looked at me. I, I tried to holler at Shorty when I was, like, 10 years old. She had a Dominican chick. And she was like, yo, you too dark. You know what I'm saying? That shit. That, that joint, excuse me, that joint just hurt me. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, we still got this inherent ideation of, like, what you said, you know, Isabella, like, it's either dark, you light skin, like, how about we just, we all black, we come in different shapes, sizes, and colors, but we got to celebrate the power in our melanin, right? Mm -hmm. And we have to uplift and uproot each other. And that is something that we are so ignorant to. And as I even progressed, as I got older, it still became an issue. Like, why does it matter, like, how dark someone is? Look at them based off their character and the content of the way they move through their life. And pay them based off of that. So shout out to Kiki, man. I'm proud of you. And then Zendaya, too. I'm proud of you, too, for representing black women. And celebrating and appreciating that you're not necessarily like your color and skin gives you and affords you something but also that you part of the crew yeah it's crazy that the all these years later we're still having when i say all these years i i think of like what we learned like in history class about slavery and right. etc mm-hmm. all these years later we're still having conversations about colorism. Mm -hmm. Um, We're still trying to push the bar and become black doctors, right? And increase the amount of black doctors in these spaces. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm saying specifically black doctors in these spaces, this is um, Psoriasis Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. as you all know, when it comes to issues of the skin, they present so differently when mm. it comes to black skin versus, or I'll say skin of color. I'll Correct. say skin of color uh, versus white skin. And the field of dermatology is still so heavily populated, mm. or I'll say still does not have a heavy population of uh, physicians who are of color. Right. Um, and in this awareness month, we're going to just discuss or I mean, not even really discuss, just kind of give you some insight into what psoriasis is, which it's an autoimmune um, mediated or autoimmune disease, immune mediated disease that causes inflammation in the body. And it affects more than 3% of the U.S. adult population. So essentially that's more than 7.5 million U.S. adults. Um, It can be very debilitating um, depending on how many plaques and scales that you have on the skin if they're inflamed or not but the visible signs of inflammation are raised plaques and plaques are essentially like raised patches of skin they may look different for different skin types um, and they have an appearance of like a scale if you would and the inflammation caused by psoriasis can impact your other organs and tissues in the body The causes of psoriasis are unknown, but we do know that the immune system and genetics play a role in its development. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've seen people with psoriasis, chronic plaque psoriasis, and they live in agony. Um, I know now there are way more treatments that are 
kind of making their way through the pipeline, like your injectables, biologics, et cetera. But there are some other therapies such as topical therapy, your salicylic acids, retinoids, um, lifestyle management. So reducing stress, changing your diet, other medications, your steroids. And then if you are like in the alternative medicine category, holistic, you would want to look into aloe or extract or cream. Mm -hmm. And we do like to keep education alive here on the podcast. So, <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's very true. And as someone who's like a chronic eczema sufferer, like, you mm -hmm. know, I've had eczema since I was like a baby. So I think it's always nice when we talk about like skin conditions, especially like inflammatory type of skin conditions, because like I feel like it affects so many different like mm -hmm. ethnic groups races Facts. and it's like not really talked that much about i think especially with black skin mm -hmm. i also think that like going to a dermatologist is not really encouraged or kind of like nope. seen as like regular especially in black families mm -hmm. you know like i ha just had to start going to a dermatologist when i had a really really bad eczema outbreak that i couldn't fix with just like my regular lotion that i would just pick up from the store like i had right. to get steroid creams and that's when like finally it went away but it's like if i had like if it was normal for me to know, go to a dermatologist, I would have been going, right? And some people would go. So I think it's like super important to bring awareness to something like psoriasis awareness month because it reminds us like it's okay to like go to a provider when it mm -hmm. comes to like your skin. You don't need to do like some thing you saw on TikTok or some type of DIY, <laughs> whatever. Like you go to the doctor, it's okay. Yeah. So it's I okay, think that's sis. really yeah. So that's a really important point, you know, uh to to bring awareness to this this uh medical condition. Absolutely. And it's also important for me, like, to accept skins come in all conditions and it doesn't detract from who you are and the character of the person. Uh, I think in our communities, like, we just shun away, especially as as we mentioned, like, with skin, we're just so afraid, like, to show it off. Like, I've, I've known uh, men and women that they don't go to the beach because they have a skin condition. They don't want to, like, show off that skin condition, psoriasis, eczema, whatever the case may be. And it's like, that is part of you. That's inherent, inherently your beauty and what represents you as, as an individual. And I think that taking ownership of that, there is something miraculous about that, to be able to share that with the world and say, this is something I'm, I'm dealing with. Another person, another kid, another child, another individual, another adult, whoever it may be, may see that and say, oh, I should be able to share that too without someone judging me, right? Mm -hmm. So. Agreed. I think bringing that awareness is so key. And I love that on this podcast, we continue to elevate and enlighten people on this and not be afraid to inherently know that this is me and nothing's going to change about it. And you got to respect me and accept me for who I am. Yeah. yeah. And okay. that that's the point. That is that is the yeah. essence of run the list. Accept us. <laughs> for who we, us who we are. That's a fact. <laughs> and stay true to who you are. Fendi but this type. was Run the List, everyone. Hopefully you guys enjoyed what we were talking about. We are going to transition to the next part of the show. Dr. Aldi, take it away. You already know. You know, what, what corner are we on? <laughs> yeah, yo, I feel like, yo, we got to like do like a slow rap. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like a quick like 16 when we, we rap the financial corner. We wrapped already, Alvin. Let's work, let's work on the bars for the next episode. Hey, we lit. But you know what time it is? It's the financial corner, you know, where your boy brings the most interesting topics regarding finances as it pertains to medical students, residents, and attendants. And this 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 time, this segment, I'm going to be real with y'all. I'm going to bring a personal issue that I've been dealing with 
with residency. Actually, I went ri- uh, viral a couple, like a week or two ago. I saw. And- <laughs> you did. You did. I actually, yeah. I, like, I DM'd yeah. Alden. I was like, oh, did you see that you're viral? They posted you on Russo Doctor. I was yeah. like, don't let them not put credits for you. I tagged your name. Yeah, like, yeah. Listen, they tried to they tried to play my co-host. I'm going to throw sure. hands. You know, I DM'd <laughs> them like, bro, you got to tag me, son. Let me get them followers so that we could get followers on the SNMA page. You know what I mean? Like, they was playing around, bro. I like the way you move. I nah, see. For real. Nah, but yeah, so uh, thank you. Shout out to you, you know, Issy, like for that. But uh, real talk, like my, uh, I went viral because essentially what people don't know is that you work your whole life to be a resident. You work your whole life to become a physician, but then you're not guaranteed nothing. You're not guaranteed anything in medical medical school with the tremendous debt that you have. And Biden ain't playing around than this month. (laughs) And all that. (laughs) Nah, honestly, like, bro, like, you play around. But real talk, like, I had to expose the fact of I worked so many hours, and I mentioned this early on in the episode. Like, I started residency with somebody that started with me. Like, she started a month before me. She's And I love PAs, but I I don't care how anybody feels about this. She started a month before me. She's making more than me than working less hours, working 40 hours a week. And I was put in one week, I put in like 80 hours, bro. You know what I'm saying? So there is a there is a discrepancy in regards to, okay, we have an amount of money we can make once we finish residency, but imagine the sacrifices, the toil, right? The mental health, like I'm not working out no more. Your boy getting fat. I'm not hey. like outside, I like you. <laughs> no, no, honestly, like from a financial perspective, People think that you finish medical school and that you're going to get this bread, you're going to get paid, right. but don't realize the investment in time that you make to get to that level where you need mm. to be. So in my post, I literally put up a picture of my first pay stub. I made like $1,730, and $40. Pre-tax? That was, no, I was in pre-tax. That was taxed, right? Okay. But... But yeah, that was taxed. But the thing is, though, that I worked 143 hours for that. You know what I mean? So basically, yeah. you're looking at or anywhere around like $13, $14 an hour. Oh, my God. For, and I worked as an ER scribe. You know what I'm saying? And I made more than that. You feel right. me? Like right. on the average. And for people that don't know, when you graduate residency and you go into the match, you sign a contract that states that you will work and you have a salary and it's base and it's set. And I was looking into this, right? I'm going to get my spiel on. But the history of residency is that it started in the 1800s where there was a surgeon that essentially worked all times of night, all times of day. The residents that were trying to work with this surgeon, everybody in America that wanted to be a surgeon wanted to work with this dude. So mm-hmm. what they would do was they would apply, go to John Hopkins, and eventually would funnel down to... Each year there was one person, it'd be hundreds of people trying to vie for this man's attention. But they didn't realize in the midst of him working 90, 100 hours a week, whatever the case may be, that he was also do, using cocaine. And that was what was keeping him up. And that man set the standard for what residency training is. And you look at places like Australia, you look at places like Sweden, they have a cap on the amount of hours that residents residents, residents right. work, 48 to 50 hours. You know what I mean? But I'm saying that to say, when you look at residency and the amount of hours you make, you have to be real concise and aware of 
the money and where it goes. And from a personal perspective, I'll be honest with y'all, I budgeted, but like I'm Ubering, like in the mornings, I'll be mad tired. I gotta be at the hospital at 6.30, you know what I'm saying? Mm. I got a car here, but that joint malfunctioning. And sometimes I'm like, <laughs> nah, for real, Hartford, Connecticut. Like I gotta take mm -hmm. my Uber. Like right. I, I purposely walk like from the hospital home now because I'm trying to save money. Right. And it's the little things that count. When you start residency, you gotta be in a, in, in a position where you're number one, where you're saving money, which means if you gotta stay with your, your parents, if you gotta, you know what I'm saying, grind it out and be in a position where you're not putting money for Uber, for food, that's cool. Like I know a resident right now that's in anesthesia and she lives an hour away from our residency program in Bridgeport. Mm. But it's like she got a kid. So imagine like on that residency mm. salary, you making 1800 1700 every two weeks. How do you take care of a kid, right? Right. And I'm bringing these logistics to all my med students and pre-med students. Like, oh, yeah, I'm finally getting my first check. Like, bro, your first check ain't nothing. My rent's $1,175. So that means that my, my check that I get after two weeks, which is 1800 like, I'll have like six, five hundred to spare. And then the next, the next check, I got eighteen hundred dollars, which means what am I gonna use that? I gotta pay my my loans off. Like I gotta, mm -hmm. you know, save into my 401k. Like I gotta I gotta be able to get groceries. So you have like a finite amount of money that you could pull yourself in. So learning how to budget, learning how to maneuver and navigate that could be a very tenuous situation. And they don't teach us that in res in medical school. They teach you, mm -hmm. oh, work hard. You're going to get into residency and everything's going to be all right. But what about the kid that just starts getting his check? Like, what about the kid that's like, yo, I'm getting this bread. Like, let me go to Magic City and like turn up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, there's a game behind this. Magic that, that's why I employ you on this segment to get multiple streams of income because these corporations, and this is my personal opinion, and, you know, SMA and Scree, but these corporations, they're not doing right by us. They're not doing what is necessary. Like, I'm going, I'm going to work every day, putting my life on the line in mm. terms of, like, I got patients with COVID, in terms of my mental health. Two weeks mm. ago, an intern at LSU committed suicide, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, in surgery, mm -hmm. because they couldn't, like, deal with what the consequences were with being in residency program. So I want right. you to, like, keep in mind, like, it's more to it than seeing that angle. Like, you got to prepare yourself. You got to learn how to budget, learn how to put yourself in that position where you're not danger endangering what you got going on from a financial perspective. So in medical school, yes, study hard, but also develop the skills that you need to be very successful, right? Whether it's mm. merchandise, like if you know you could do a side job hustling, doing Uber, do that. Whether it's, you know, getting real estate, whether it's even like investing in your own education, because again, you're going to be broke. Like there's mad people I talk to that hit me up in my DMs like, bro, you speaking facts. Like I could barely afford childcare for my kid. Like you, I could barely, you know what I'm saying? Like make ends meet. When I'm sitting, you trying to be comfortable, but it's like, bro, like I got my light bill. I got my, you know, electricity, whatever the case may be. And right. like, you don't, you need emergency fund, but you can't save enough, enough for the emergency fund. There ain't no emergency, right? But you need that fund to push you through. So you got to be aware and enlightened enough to say, how do I proceed through the steps so that I have that security? And for me, medicine does provide some security, but you got to make it through. But before you make it through, you got to have a, a plan, adjust, 
and execute that outside of medicine accordingly. So, so Aldo, I have a quick question. That's what so, I would say. Yeah. Um, like, you know, you made, like you posted about your experience. It went viral. It, yeah. it, to me, it, it was almost like a call for action, right? What right. do you what do you think is the next steps moving forward? Do you think right. like residents should start speaking out about this? Start like you know, yeah. kind of petitioning for higher salary. Like, what do you think is the next steps? Stop going to work, like honestly. And I'm guilty of that I'm still going to work. But if <laughs> we, what? No, nah, nah, the nurses do it. Like you know how many nurses go? Like look at the nurses in New York. Like they got unions. Yeah that fight for them, like, respectfully. Like, I was on my headache mm -hmm. rotation, and they leaving early, and the doctor's like, yo, don't bother them. Like, they got a union. We're not touching them. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And we waiting to get... We got patients that need nerve blocks, and they left at 3.30, and it's like, we got a patient coming at 4. They dip. Mm -hmm. And the nurse, you know what I'm saying? The doctor's like, nah, we got to do... You got to do what you got to do. So they out. But anyway, <laughs> like, we got to... We got to be able to band together and not be afraid of the consequences. Like, that's why I put that post up, because it's like, at the end of the day, like... I'm going to, I'm going to ride by my integrity. Again, I'm going to stand up as a man with courage. I'm never going to fall on my knees like a coward. So whoever feel how they feel, feel how you feel. Because I'm going to speak my peace, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In and outside of the hospital. Because what's wrong is wrong and what's right is right. And I feel like if we're able to collaborate, connect together, just like some residency programs in Cali, they negotiated to get $1,000 per month for housing because they realize that it's so expensive to be in LA. They negotiated right. to get $25 a day for lunch. Like while I was doing my away rotation at UCLA, I got had $500 for a whole month at UCLA. Wow. I had to, I was bringing food home. Some of the residents was like, my first day was like, bro, you need food, you need food? I'm like, yo, y'all must got money. Come to realize you get $25 from the, from, from the program. So right. they could afford to get me lunch and then get them lunch for the day. You know what I mean? But a lot of programs don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, I get $8 every couple of weeks for food. And apparently, we get it in our salary. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, uh, that's bogus. You know what I mean? So with that being said, it's like in an economy where inflation is increasing, but our salaries are not relatively increasing to inflation. And we are in a career where we're sacrificing for others, these corporations, particularly Medicaid and Medicare that pay for our salaries, they're not making the appropriate sacrifices for us, right? right. We are in an endangering position where we're working long hours. Actually, in 1984, there was a lawsuit that was filed against a resident because, unfortunately, a baby died during this person's intern year. And mm. that's when they imposed the 80-hour legal limit on residency. Mm. So I know it's not necessarily about finances, but it is about the fact that you have to be attuned and aware that you're not going to make money in residency. So while you're in medical school, you have to create opportunities where you could build the skills that are necessary to supplement your income so that you're not stressed and you're not worried about like how to move and how to navigate, right? Whatever the case may be. That's important. That yeah. that what you said about building skills really like struck home or hit home for me like yeah. I think that is important so you mentioned call to action is I think it would be great to have some kind of summit or something with the SNMA yeah. just because everybody I mean all the doctors that come through there come through as members you know and then transition right. to NMA maybe something joint because right. it you know change starts with one person making noise right um so imagine me imagine could do. yeah lead hey, listen you got contacts Y'all heard it here first, people. Build your skills while you're in med school. 
multiple streams of income. Thank you for the financial corner as always. And that is our show. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of The Lounge. You know, let us know your thoughts about the discussions we had today or ask a question for a chance to be featured on consoles by emailing us at podcast at snma.org. And be sure to follow the SNMA on all our social media platforms to stay up to date on all of our upcoming events. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of The Lounge, and we will see you next episode. Hey.